Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now, in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin, finally back. Welcome, welcome, Levinites. Welcome, America. Our number is 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. Missed you very much. We've been keeping busy on uh, Parler and on Twitter. As you know, we no longer post on Facebook. I've had a lot of discussions. I've had senators calling me, congressmen calling me. I've gone to battle with several of them. And I've really been chomping at the bit to talk to you directly. You're hearing conservatives and pseudo-conservatives, the, the bizarre editorial pages, including at the Wall Street Journal, which trashed the Tea Party 10 years ago, which basically is a mouthpiece for McConnell. You've heard people who defend the Constitution being attacked by the likes of Ben Sass and Adam Kinzinger, Viciously attacked with utter and complete fiction and poison. Let me tell you, from my perspective, here's the problem. From my perspective, without counting even one fraudulent vote, our precious Constitution was targeted and systematically attacked by a Democrat party that embraces the 1619 Project, Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and detests our Constitution. This is the history of the Democrat Party, going back to before the Confederacy, including the Confederacy and slavery, segregation, and now today, with the neo-Marxists and the so-called Democratic Socialists. You see, for the Democrat Party, which has now been hijacked, by the radical extreme left, the Constitution is a problem. It's not to be revered 
It's to be eviscerated, which is exactly why Chuck Schumer has said that should they win these two seats in Georgia tomorrow, 50-50 Senate with Kamala Harris, they argue, as the president of the Senate, they will have a 51 to 50 majority to push through whatever they want as they eliminate the filibuster rule, destroy the courts and separation of power and a bunch of other things. Because they hate the Constitution. The Constitution places a severe limit on the kind of power and grandiosity that the Democrat Party wishes to exercise. It wishes to destroy and control the private sector. And it wishes to destroy and control our constitutional republic. These are the facts. This is the background. The question is this. If you have a Democrat party that unleashes legal and lobbying attacks prior to the election throughout the country, but specifically on battleground states where the Republicans control both houses of the legislature, and therefore Republicans, through the legislature, controls the electoral process in that state, and ultimately the selection of electors that are to be counted on January 6th, two days from now, at a joint session of Congress. If you're a Democrat, if you're a Biden supporter, if you're a leftist, you have to figure out how to get around Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution. It doesn't take genius. It takes corruption. Pennsylvania, that's exactly what took place. The Republicans control the legislature, and the legislature is supposed to direct how electors are chosen. Each state shall appoint in such manner as the legislature thereof may direct. A number of electors equal to the whole number of senators and representatives to which the state may be entitled in Congress. If that's not complied with, if it's not the state legislature that directs how electors are to be chosen, but a secretary of state, but a governor, but an attorney general, but an elected majority on the Supreme Court of the state, Or even a federal judge. If entities, public officials, institutions, other than the state legislature, is directing the manner in which electors are to be chosen, elections are to be held, they have poisoned, right out of the gate, poisoned the constitutional elected process within that state. You with me, Mr. Producer? You with me, America? So at the front end of Article 2, the electoral process instituted in that given state violates the federal constitution. It is unconstitutional. I don't care how many people voted. That's of no consequence. That's not relevant. We're not a parliamentary system. We don't directly elect anybody but members of the House of Representatives. And so when a state conducts itself that way, are there to be no consequences? 
So the electors that that state certifies through the executive branch, not the legislative branch, the Democrats that control in most of those states, the executive branch, and send those to the archivist to be held and then sent to the vice president and to the joint session of Congress on January 6th. Are those electors to be counted? And to have an effect on the selection of the president and vice president of the United States? Even though at the front end of that constitutional provision, the front end, those states did not comply, did not comply with the Constitution. Openly and brazenly broke the law. You would be amazed at the legal mental midgets who write me arguments about how that could be wrong and so forth. I don't even respond to them. I don't even respond to them. Well, the Supreme Court said it doesn't matter what any court said. You're the court. Read the language. You don't have to have a single fraudulent vote a single fraudulent ballot to conclude that the election in that state violated and intentionally violated the United States Constitution. That's exactly what the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania intended. That's exactly what the governor and the secretary of state of Pennsylvania intended. And it's not just there. They eliminated signature requirements. They eliminated postal stamp date requirements. They extended the days of voting, changed the time of voting, and on and on and on. The legislature never did that. Michigan, a Republican legislature, the Democrat Secretary of State unilaterally changed the state's laws with respect to absentee ballot applications and signature verification. She just sent unsolicited 7 million ballots to the voter lists in direct and intentional circumvention of the state legislature and state law. The election in Michigan that took place as a result of a Democrat Secretary of State was unconstitutional. In Wisconsin, The Elections Commission and local Democrat officials in the state's largest cities, the Democrat cities, Milwaukee and Madison at the top, changed the state's election laws. They placed hundreds of unmanned drop boxes in strategic locations in violation of state law. The locations were intended to be convenient to the Democrats. They told would-be voters how to avoid security measures like signature verification and photo ID requirements. Tell me, how many news organizations have reported this to you? None. So they bypassed the Republican state legislature. The Democrats. The voting in Wisconsin, as a result of what took place there, the selection of electors, is unconstitutional. Right, Tom McClintock? Unconstitutional. In Georgia, you have a Republican Secretary of State who just taped the phone call with the President of the United States 
And they leaked it to the media. And of course, the media, for the most part, don't put the full transcript out. They do their cherry picking. And then, of course, the media say it's worse than Watergate. Everything's worse than Watergate. But we don't care what the media think and say, do we? They are corrupt through and through. Enemy of the people. So in Georgia, this reprobate Secretary of State, on March 6, 2020, there's this lawsuit. The Democrat Party of Georgia versus Raffensperger. Raffensperger. So he enters into a settlement, which results in a consent decree. making it far more difficult to challenge defective signatures beyond the 22 express mandatory procedures set forth in Georgia state law as determined by the state legislature. Among other things, before ballot could be rejected, the settlement required a registrar who found a defective signature to now seek a review by two other registrars, and only if a majority of the registrars agreed that the signature was defective could the ballot be rejected, but not before all three registrars. In other words, it goes on and on and on. They made it virtually impossible to reject a vote. Now you know why. The mail-in absentee ballot rejection rates across the country were now almost non-existent. But those laws were changed by a rogue, Secretary of State buckling to a lawsuit encouraged by Stacey Abrams, whose sister sits on the bench and is overseeing decisions about voting rolls, in which case she rules each and every time for the Democrat Party in this upcoming Senate election. Here's four battleground states where the Democrats went in with litigation, where the Democrats pressured their statewide uh, executive officials to get around the Republican state legislatures. So those electors who were certified have been poisoned. Now when we come back, what do we do about this? I'll be right back. I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty, and they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free each month, and you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for all of us. And for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. I'm having attacked 
attack the electoral process in key states through litigation, through their governors, through their secretaries of state, their boards of elections, their mayors. And the failure of the United States Supreme Court to uphold Article 2, Section 1 of the Constitution, despite the fact it had the opportunity to do so. Now it goes to Congress. Now in the Constitution it says, The President of the Senate shall in the presence of the Senate and House of Representatives open all the certificates and the vote shall be counted. The person having the greatest number of votes shall be the President, and then it goes on. I actually heard a conservative member of the House of Representatives on WMAL earlier on the Larry O'Connor show say the word is shall, so Congress has no choice but to count them. You know, you cannot take your seat in the House of the Senate of the United States Congress unless you swear an oath to your country and the Constitution that you will uphold the Constitution of the United States. Is there any other scenario where there's an election and individuals or institutions have violated the election procedures that the person counting the votes, knowing this, is required to count those votes? Have you ever heard anything so absurd and irrational and illogical? And then they'll point, they'll say, the Constitution says shall, they shall be counted. The Constitution says this is the way electors are to be chosen. And once they're chosen that way, it's a matter of logic. It's a matter of of fundamental rationality. And once they're chosen that way, they shall be counted. Did the framers have to say in the Constitution that they... Electors have to be chosen constitutionally. Wouldn't that be a little repetitive? In order for them to be counted, they just assumed that in order for them to be counted, shall be counted, that the manner in which the electors were selected and certified in the first place complied with the first part of that provision of the Constitution. So here we are as conservatives and Republicans or constitutionalists of any breed. Dancing on the head of a pen. Dancing on the head of a pen. While the bastards in the other party have already eviscerated our electoral process. I'll be right back. I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. 
Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. And they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free each month. And you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for all of us. And for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. tough as hell. That's why I like Mark Levin. And I'm not sure a lot of people like him. He's tough as hell. But I like him. I love him. Call in now. 877-381-3811. So now we have in place in these states and others electoral systems that were built not by the state legislatures, but by the Democrats in these various positions. And only the legislature which is to direct the appointment of electors, is mentioned in the Constitution. This is how the Democrats plan to win office, the presidency for sure, forevermore. This is how they intend to turn the country into California. And there are Republicans who will go right along with this. They'll come up with one cockamamie argument after another, They'll turn the Constitution inside out so you're to believe they're the real constitutionalists and textualists. They have no clue. I don't know what's going to happen in Georgia tomorrow, but did you ever think you'd be sitting on the edge of your chair hoping that we win two Republican Senate seats in the state of Georgia? Well, there's reasons for that, and one of them is the manner in which the elections are being handled by the Secretary of State there who just announced that he's going to talk with the district attorney and the election board over the legality of his conversation with the President of the United States. Let me point out what I'm talking about. The editorial page of the Wall Street Journal. Maybe you've seen some of these guys. They have a Fox program on the weekend that really nobody watches. you got Paul Gigot, who runs the operation there. He's been running it for decades. And they are corporatists. That's what they are. They're not conservatives. They're not constitutionalists. They favor open borders and on and on. They are corporatists. They've always been corporatists. It's called the Wall Street Journal, after all. It's not called the Main Street Journal. And so they put it under the phrase editorial board. You'll see this at National Review and other places where they don't want individuals' names attached to it. And they believe this will give it more oomph. Oh, the editorial board. At the Wall Street Journal, it's five nerds, five geeks, that's what it is. That's their editorial board. The title is, The Election Rejectionists. And this is how they do what they do. They sit on their fat asses in Manhattan and shoot spitballs at mainstream America. As Americans like to tell the world, a hallmark of democracy is the willingness to accept defeat and the peaceful transfer of power. The tragedy of the last two presidential elections has been the refusal of partisans to accept defeat 
and public trust in American self-government is eroding as a result. So now what they've done in their first two sentences is they have put on an equal playing field the Democrats spying, dossier, FISA abuses, felonious leaks, unmasking, and on and on and on. And they're now comparing that to you and me and others raising civilly, legitimately, legally, constitutionally issues in this election. That's how perverse these nerds at the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal are. And they go on, the main issue now is that too many Republicans refuse to accept Mr. Trump's defeat. More than 100 House members and as of this week and at least 12 senators say they will formally object to the editorial college, electoral college count. This won't change the result, though we'll delay it as Congress spends up to two hours debating the objections to each state's results. More corrupt precedent and the resulting political damage. You see how they position this. I just told you what took place in at least four states. There's not a word of that. Not a word of that in this editorial. Because the geeks are either too stupid or they think they're clever. The leading culprit here is Mr. Trump. Who, as always, refuses to accept responsibility for defeat. Recall that he... Not a word about the states. Recall that he has claimed that Iowa caucus results were stolen in 2016 when he lost to Ted Cruz. He's now spinning conspiracy theories and election falsehoods daily on Twitter. Have I spun a conspiracy theory, ladies and gentlemen, when I told you what took place in these states? He doesn't seem to care what damage he does in promoting the myth of his victory. The damage is spreading as Mr. Trump puts pressure on other Republicans to take up his lost cause. The president's never called me. He's never pressured me. And so, basically, the Wall Street Journal thinks that none of these Republicans can think for themselves. None of these Republicans can digest what's taking place all around them. And, of course, the extent to which the members of the Wall Street Journal esteemed editorial board have actually gone into these communities and find out what has taken place is zero. Note that the senators in their statement don't allege specific acts of fraud. At Wall Street Journal editorial page, there are hundreds and hundreds of sworn affidavits that allege specific aspects of fraud. Have you published them? Have you listed them on your editorial page? You'd have to reduce the font to the point where people would need a magnifying glass to read it. So don't play games with your readers. They're smarter than you are. Instead, they cite allegations of fraud and irregularities. That feed deep distrust of the results, distrust they and the president are feeding. So now it's the president's fault. It's the fault of these Republican senators. The courts have rejected every Trump campaign attempt to intervene in the state results, often by judges appointed by the president. Now let's stop there. I keep hearing something like 60 cases were brought by the Trump campaign and 60 cases were lost. First of all, the Trump campaign didn't bring 60 cases. It brought far fewer than 60 cases. But let's show you what kind of reporting and sophomoric 
surface level thinking this is at the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal. Let me talk about one of those cases. One of those cases, a lawsuit was brought challenging the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania as well as the executive side of Pennsylvania, all Democrats, the five members of the seven on the Supreme Court, for interfering and undermining exactly what I said, Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the Constitution, where the state legislature gets to t- determine how electors are, are appointed or chosen. But the Supreme Court took that power away from the state legislature. No signatures, no signature comparisons, no postal dates. If postal dates are smudged, too bad. They changed the the time of the election, the final time, the final day. They changed what observers are allowed. In other words, they rewrote the election laws. The way they rewrote the Republican legislature's gerrymandering of the, uh, of the congressional seats, as a result, the Republicans lost two Republican seats because the Democrats on the Supreme Court elected are rogue. They're political. Now, that case went to the United States Supreme Court. And it still sits there today. That's considered a loss. Wall Street Journal think that's a loss? In terms of a, of a lawsuit that should never have been brought? A lawsuit that shouldn't have challenged anything? You understand. You understand this is a, this is a pathetic editorial that cherry picks. There's no serious analysis here. All lawsuits aren't the same. All petitioners aren't the same, but they don't care. He lost everyone. Actually, they didn't lose everyone. But even so, what does that say about the judiciary? What does that say about the United States Supreme Court? A lot, and most of it not good. As Republican Senator Pat Toomey, who's retiring, has shown the voting evidence from Pennsylvania is that Mr. Trump lost fair and square. Why would you cite Pat Toomey for that? Pat Toomey doesn't have any idea what took place. He wasn't involved in any of this litigation. Why don't you point out some of the people who were involved in this litigation? Or some of the House members. Republicans in Pennsylvania. And some of the elected state delegates and state senators who've made comments quite contrary to Pat Toomey. But you wouldn't know that based on this editorial. Mr. Trump's narrow loss was personal as voters decided they didn't want four more years of his raucous governance. Is that what happened? No, they're projecting over there at the Wall Street Journal because they're corporatists. They don't like the things that Trump has done. They're corporatists. And they think that Biden, well, they can do business with Biden. Just as George W. Bush said he could do business, or maybe it was Thatcher, but Putin. The Electoral College gambit won't work this week because House Democrats won't go along. But imagine if Republicans ran the House and did. 81 million Americans who voted for Mr. Biden would be disenfranchised by an insider scheme. The political response would be volcanic, and understandably so. Republicans would be crushed in the 2022 midterms. Imagine... The unconstitutional changes that have taken place carry forward as the baseline for 2022 and especially 2024. How difficult will it be to elect a Republican president of the United States? Donald Trump got 
12 million more votes this time around than last time. So apparently some people do like his raucous governance, quote-unquote. In our view, this week's exercise is also unconstitutional. So we have constitutionalists, scholars, experts on the Wall Street Journal editorial board. They're no more expert at interpreting the Constitution than they are expert at interpreting prognoses from a proctologist. They're not expert in anything. The text of the original charter elaborated by the 12th Amendment gives state legislatures the power to appoint electors. The vice president is charged to open the votes to be counted. Nothing more. Isn't it amazing? The very provision they paraphrase is actually the Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 that we've talked about. Not the 12th Amendment, but in this respect, that part of the Constitution. And they drive right by it, the drive-bys. And the only power the Congress has is to count unconstitutional elector votes, according to the Wall Street Journal. They just have to count them, that's it. You have to ask yourself... Were the framers and those who soon followed after them so stupid that they would give the huge power to Congress and only Congress could count votes? Why would they give that to the archivist of the United States? The Electoral Count Act of 1887, which the House and Senate will act upon, is unconstitutional in giving Congress the ability to second-guess those state decisions. These guys are such narcissists and egomaniacs. They've now determined they talk about Trump, but listen to these guys. In stretching this law for a partisan exercise, Republicans are also giving Democrats more ammunition to use in their campaign to overturn the Electoral College in favor of a direct popular vote, and it goes on. Apparently, the clowns who are on the editorial board of the Wall Street Journal have not heard what Chuck Schumer says. They don't need any instigation, provocation, encouragement to destroy our Constitution. Perhaps they've heard of the 1619 Project. Perhaps they've seen Black Lives Matter, which is embraced by the Democrats and attacks our founding. Perhaps they saw the attacks on our monuments. Perhaps they're aware of what's going on in our colleges and universities. And perhaps they're aware that Chuck Schumer has announced that if they win those Georgia seats, they intend to destroy the judiciary, the independence and separation of powers of those two branches. They intend to destroy the United States Senate by packing it with more Democrats. They intend to ram through every radical, neo-Marxist piece of legislation they possibly can by eliminating the filibuster. And they intend to destroy the Electoral College, which they have done in this election cycle, And the Wall Street Journal is worried about us, you and me, encouraging them to do it. Maybe it's time for a new editorial board over there at the Wall Street Journal, because this one is so out of touch and has a collective IQ of negative nine. I'll be right back. I'm 
I know you love freedom. How do I know that? Because you listen to my show. And my show and everything I do is all about preserving freedom and the form of government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College, one of the very best truly liberal arts colleges in the nation. That's why I talk about them all the time, because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches stellar students to defend freedom, no matter what they major in, whether it's science or music or economics or business, whatever. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty, and they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought. It's called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free each month, and you, my friend and fellow freedom lover, should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for all of us. And for Hillsdale to send in Primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in Primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. levinforhillsdale.com. I want to remind you of this Wall Street Journal, the corporatist, Paul G. Go, and his merry gang of buffoons. Back on July 27, 2011, they were at war with the Tea Party. Why? Because McConnell and Boehner were at war with the Tea Party. And this corporatist rag is a mouthpiece for McConnell, Boehner, and of course, uh, Paul Ryan. And the headline was, Tea Party Hobbits Need to Go Back to Middle Earth. Remember that? None of these critics have as an alternative strategy for achieving anything nearly as fiscally or politically beneficial as Mr. Boehner's plan. The idea seems to be that the House GOP refuses to raise the debt ceiling, a default crisis or gradual government shutdown will ensue, and the public will turn to mass against Barack Obama. The Republican House that failed to raise the debt ceiling would somehow escape all the blame. Then Democrats would have no choice but to pass a balanced budget amendment and reform entitlements and so forth. This is the kind of crack political thinking that turns Sharon Angle and Christine O'Donnell into GOP Senate nominees. The reality is that the debt limit will be raised one way or another, and the only issue now is how much fiscal reform and what political fallout. So they're defending John McCain, defending Daynard, defending, eventually, Paul Ryan, defending McConnell. You see... Whenever the patriots are out there trying to save the Constitution and save even our economic system, the Wall Street Journal, which pretends to be a rational voice, shoots them in the back. And they're not the only ones. So they trash the Tea Party, they trash the Trump movement, they trash efforts to defend the Constitution and the electoral system in these various states. And now, if we lose Georgia... They will blame you and me. If we lose Georgia, it'll be because the Republicans have failed to stand up to what is taking place in this country via the Democrat Party and all these institutions that they control. I've got other information here. I also want to encourage you to back these entrepreneurs who are really trying to break these, uh, this oligopoly, in some cases monopoly, when it comes to social media. You can now find us on Rumble, obviously on Parler. And we're going to continue to look for other platforms that I wish to put this program on and hopefully draw your attention and support. I don't own anything. I'm not involved in all that. And that wouldn't be a problem even if I were. 
Put your money where your mouth is, Mark. I got no problem with that. But these are excellent sites. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811-877-381-3811. I want to talk to you briefly as a proud father. In this family, we have wonderful children. Wonderful children. All patriots. All family-oriented. All embrace faith. Just good kids. We have two wonderful grandchildren. And I am blessed with this family, with my wife, my mother-in-law, and all these children. And I've been wanting to tell you this for the longest time, so I'm going to tell you now. One of them has been serving at the embassy in Israel for approximately a year and a half. He is brilliant. He has been doing an enormous amount of work, mostly behind the scenes. He won't get any medals. He won't get any participation certificates. His name will never be mentioned, except by me. Name is David. And I couldn't be prouder of his contribution to the successes between our country, the greatest country on the face of the earth, Israel, and our greatest friend, the state of Israel. He doesn't seek attention. He doesn't seek newspaper articles. He doesn't seek celebrity. He's very loyal, intelligent, studious, decent, earnest young man. And it was the President of the United States himself who made this appointment. So I want to thank the President of the United States. And while David's been in Israel, there's been a lot of difficulty in the sense of the coronavirus and the numerous shutdowns and quarantines. And He's been far away from home. But he's conducted himself like the patriotic young man that he is. And prior to this, he worked for the great senator from Texas, Ted Cruz. That shows you what a remarkable young man this is. So, publicly, millions and millions of you 
I want you to know about David Milstein. He has no idea I'm saying this. He may even be angry with me that I'm saying this. But nobody can do anything to me, so what? <laughs> and I know he's, uh, he's greatly liked by so many people in this country and in the state of Israel who respect his, his integrity. That's the key word, integrity. doesn't say a bad thing about another human being even if others do to him and about him. He's just a class act. So anyway, tip my hat to David. I get to do that, you know, I have my own radio show. And perhaps when he comes back one day, uh, I'll put him behind this microphone and you'll get to meet him yourself and he can talk about some of his experiences, those in which he's allowed to speak. So you can get to know him too. In fact, I ought to do that with all the kids at some point. I try to keep our lives relatively private because there's a lot of dangerous people out there, quite frankly. So maybe I'll make a medal or print up a certificate and hand it to him myself. Anyway, I wanted to point that out. Now, the Democrats in the past have objected many times to the election, quote-unquote, of a Republican president. In 2000, they did it. In 2004, they did it to George W. Bush. And so our friends at Rumble, and I want to encourage you to join us at Rumble. What is our tagline there at Rumble, Mr. Producer? Mark Levin Show at Rumble. Not hard, just Mark Levin Show wherever you want to go. Here's a little montage of Democrats objecting to counting electoral college votes in 2000 and 2004. And by the way, do you remember this reported on at the time? Do you remember all the hysteria at the time? Remember the Wall Street Journal and all the other kooks out there? Where was uh, uh, the SAS? Where was he? Running some university, I guess. Cut one, go. The chair now hands to the tellers the certificate of the electors for president and Vice President of the State of Florida. Mr. President, the objection is in writing, signed by a number of members of the House of Representatives, but not by a member of the Senate. Mr. President, I stand for the purpose of objecting to the counting of the vote from the State of Florida as read. Mr. President, I rise on behalf of the Congressional Black Caucus to object to the 25 electoral votes from Florida. Mr. President, thank you for your inquiry. It is in writing, it is signed by myself on behalf of my diverse constituents and the millions of Americans who have been disenfranchised by Florida's inaccurate vote count. The, is the objection signed by a senator? Well, Mr. Chair, Mr. President, I am objecting to, uh, uh, to the idea that votes in Florida were not counted. The clerk will report the objection. We, a member of the House of Representatives and a United States Senator, object to the counting of the electoral votes of the state of Ohio on the ground that they were not under all of the known circumstances regularly given. Signed, Stephanie Tubbs Jones, State of Ohio. Barbara Boxer, State of California. The objection today is raised because there are irregularities across this country with regard to voting. And we as a Congress have an obligation 
to step up to the plate and correct them. Mr. Speaker and members, I dedicate my objection to Ohio's electoral votes to Mr. Michael Moore, the producer of the documentary 9-11. First of all, we're here because not a single election official in Ohio has given us any explanation for the massive and widespread irregularity in the, in the state. No explanation for the machines in Mahoning County that recorded carry votes for Bush. Our people are dying all over the world, a lot from my state. For what reason to bring democracy to the far corners of the world? Let's fix it here mm. and let's do it first thing out. Democrats. There's more, but that's enough. Ron Johnson is really a terrific senator. He's gotten better over time. I've gotten the norm a little bit. I really respect him a lot. He's from the state of Wisconsin. It's tough to win a statewide race in Wisconsin, but he manages to do it. Because I think many people in Wisconsin see that I word there, integrity. And he's been absolutely outstanding. And so for some reason, he wanted to get punished on Sunday. So he goes on the low IQ Democrat operative Chuck Todd show, Meet the Depressed. And of course, Chuck Todd is there not to gather information for the viewers, not to glean insight. But Chuck Todd is basically a media striptease artist. uh, And it's a very ugly sight. And so uh, he's going to quote Senator Ben Sass. Senator Ben Sass is recently reelected, so he thinks he's free to be the a-hole that he is. Senator Ben Sass, who supported the, the changing of legislation that enabled the Iran deal. That enabled the Iran deal. Ben Sass, who claims to be a constitutionalist when he's no such damn thing. He's a never-Trumper. He should be writing for the pages of National Review or the Wall Street Journal. Anyway, here we go. Cut seven. Go. All right, um, Senator, I want to quote Senator Ben Sass for you, because what you're alleging... Why don't you quote Senator Ted Cruz for him? Or Senator John Kennedy for him? Or Senator Marsha Blackburn for him? And this is why Sass does what he does, Kinsinger does what he does, Romney does what he does. They're press whores, is what they are. And I'm sorry to use that word press, but I have to use it. Start from the top, please. Cut seven, go. All right, um, Senator, I want to quote Senator Ben Sass for you, because what you're alleging is essentially you, have cr- you and your colleagues have created this controversy. So right now we are locked into a destructive, vicious circle in, in some ways, as you kind of outlined, except which is you made an allegation that there was. All right, wife- so stop. So is this a reporter? First of all, he sounds like he's hop- hopped up on something. But is, is this what reporters do? Of course not, because he's corrupt. NBC's corrupt. MSNBC's corrupt. Comcast is corrupt. They're the enemy of the people because they've destroyed the First Amendment and freedom of the press. So you have guys like this with a low IQ, with minimal experience, a very bad education, and they're up there as operatives. His wife is a Democrat operative. See, this is why I'm hated, just so you know. This is why I'm hated. Because I despise injustice. I'm not playing games behind this microphone. 
and I call out people by their names. I just don't play games. Life is too damn short. I don't know how long I'm going to be behind this microphone. By my choice. Anyway, go ahead. You have failed to offer specific evidence of that widespread fraud, but you're demanding an uh, an investigation on the grounds that there are allegations of widespread fraud. So essentially, you're the arsonist here. Um, President Trump is the arsonist here. So you hear this? You're the arsonist here. I would ask Chuck Todd, have you read any of the complaints with all the affidavits? I would ask Chuck Todd, you want to come on my program and debate Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2? I'll make this challenge to Chuck Todd because he never will do that. Five minutes, ten minutes, one-on-one, I'll meet the press, you and me only. Live. No taping, no live to tape, no editing. You and me, live. What do you say, Chuck? Ten minutes on this very subject. The Constitution of the United States. And no quoting Ben Sass. You and me, man to man. Not your little, your little tricks that you use. Your little video and audio. And look what Romney said. I don't give a crap about any of these people. Let's do it, pal. In fact, I'll do climate change with you if you want. Any of these subjects. Go ahead. Fire. And now you're saying, whoa, look at this. Oh, my God. All these people believe what we told them because you didn't have the guts to tell the truth that this This is outrageous. Absolutely disgusting. This is a news show. Meet the press. It's a news show. And so what happens is the other Sunday news shows see this and they say, you know what? I have to be a bigger a-hole than Chuck Todd. I got otherwise we're not going to get the clicks and the ratings that we want. And besides. My corporatist media masters, they want me to do this stuff anyway. Go ahead. Chuck, this fire was started back in uh, you know, January of 2017. People like uh, Mark Zaid, in his tweet, uh, the coup has started first of many steps, rebellion and impeachment to follow ultimately. Uh, th- this was started when the mainstream media stopped, dropped any pretense of being unbiased and actually chose sides during this election. Th- this fire was started when you completely ignored, for example, our investigation of Hunter Biden. You know, no, no evidence of wrongdoing there, and now we find out after the election, no, there is a fair amount of evidence to the point that we have a real FBI investigation. Senator, I have had enough of hearing this. Have you ever seen anybody talk to this way? Senator, I have had enough of hearing this. I'm Chuck Todd. And I don't want to hear you anymore. I invited you on here to be a punching bag. Don't you understand? I invited you on here to humiliate you. You're supposed to sit there, sit there and suck your thumb. You're not supposed to go through all this other stuff, defend yourself, defend your party. I just quoted the great Ben Sass. Three S's. And of course, we know what is the middle word in Sass, Mr. Producer? Ass. A-S-S. Just saying, just pointing out the obvious. Nonetheless, this is what you get on Meet the Depressed. Go ahead. Listen, I've had enough of this too. It's no, the Senator, bias in the media it is, that has spent, created a, 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 a situation where, where Republicans and yeah. conservatives do not trust no. the mainstream media, and that is what's re- that is what has destroyed the credibility of the media and our institutions, and right. really no, the destruction confidence of in the, the institution. Result. So I didn't start this. Hmm. 
You've spent the last two years, Senator. And I'll be right back. in. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. By the way, you know, Stephen A. Smith and I don't talk anymore. Do you know that, Mr. Producer? I don't know. A couple months ago, I wrote him. He didn't reply. I guess this election's gotten into his head. I don't know. Just the way it goes. Oh, you think it fell through the cracks. Well, life goes on, my brother. Life goes on. Let's see. Where was I? Oh, yes. Ted Cruz will be here in about an hour on the program, a great patriot. One of 2020's most accurate pollsters says election would have come out differently if not for late rule changes. I didn't find this on the Wall Street Journal editorial page. Of course, I don't read the Wall Street Journal editorial page. Mr. Producer every now and then points something out to me. That's the truth. Why do I need their opinion? I have my own opinion. One of this year's Most accurate pollsters believes the last-minute changes to the election laws had a significant effect on the results of the presidential election. Oh, you don't say. Quote, if this election had been run based on the rules of 2016, it would have come out differently. Robert Cahali, the chief pollster for the Trafalgar Group, remember they got it right, told the Washington Examiner, I think those little changes made a tremendous difference. And of course they did, and of course he's right. And I assume he's been listening to me because this is a point I've been making over and over and over again. Why did the Democrats make these changes? Why did their governors, their secretaries of state, their boards of elections, their mayors and their courts, why did they do this? Why did they do this? To elect Joe Biden, that's why they did it. And now we have some Republican suckers, pseudo-conservatives in the House and the Senate. Well, you know, uh, we don't really have any kind of a role in this, you know. Uh, The voters have spoken and... Uh, excuse me, these elections in these states were unconstitutional. No, no, I know I'm a constitutionalist. And I, uh, I, uh, I, sp- I had a seance. I spoke to James Madison. And James Madison told me I'm right, so I must be right. We are going to be destroyed, and this country is going to be turned inside out by the left if this party, the Republican Party, doesn't wake the hell up. America's passionately cerebral voice. 
Talk with that voice now. 877-381-3811. It's painful to watch uh, hosts try and discuss the Constitution and laws that were passed, saying they were passed in 1876 when it was passed in 1887. I got it. It's a nice try anyway, but they're trying to paint Hawley into the corner and try to make him look bad and on and on and on. And uh, we'll try and throw him a line and invite him on the program tonight. He hasn't been all that receptive in the past. I don't understand. I don't know. But we'll see if he wants to come on. 49% of Americans say their top New Year's resolution is to save money in the next year. Well then, let's check that box right now. When your family switches to Pure Talk from AT&T, Verizon, or T-Mobile, which I contend are ripping you off, you can actually save over $800 a year. That's real money every single month right back in your pocket. And you don't have to sacrifice coverage. You don't have to sacrifice anything. Pure Talk is on the same network as one of those other big carriers, but they charge you half. That's right. No gimmicks. No fluff added to your bills. Why is Pure Talk rising so fast in terms of customer support? Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs. So right now, get unlimited talk, text, and two gigs of data for just 20 bucks a month. And if you go over on data usage, they don't care. They don't charge you for it. So grab your mobile phone. Dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin. You've heard me say this before. It's a new year. It's a perfect time to get this right. Don't burn your money. Dial pound 250 and say Mark Levin. And by the way, in addition to what I've just told you, you'll save 50% off your first month. 50% off your first month. So that's pound 250, say keyword Mark Levin. I wish Pure Talk were making computers because I'd buy a new computer in two seconds, Mr. Producer. Because this damn thing is... Well, it's not doing what it's supposed to do. By the way, Pure Talk is Simply Smarter Wireless, which is why I encourage you to check it out. Simply Smarter Wireless. Now, Joe Biden... He's got his inauguration figured out already. And uh, let me tell you. This is in uh, PJ Media, Stacey Lennox. For a candidate who encouraged Americans to embrace hope, not fear, during his nomination acceptance speech, Joe Biden's making an odd choice for the eve of the inauguration. According to Axios, to set the tone for his inauguration the next day, President-elect Biden will lead a memorial to remember and honor lives lost in COVID-19, with church bells ringing and light shows across the country on Tuesday, January 19, 5.30 p.m. Uh, Do you want to know why Joe Biden's not having a normal inauguration? You know, where massive crowds gather and you give a speech and on the back side of the uh, Capitol building and people line the roads. There's two main reasons. You know why, Mr. Producer? There won't be that many people showing up and lining the roads for Joe Biden. I got 80 million votes, but nobody ever shows up to listen to him. Does that make sense? Of course it doesn't. But he's afraid he won't get an audience. That's number one. You want to know the other reason? He doesn't have the energy. 
There's no way he can walk from Capitol Hill to the White House without walking into a telephone pole or something like that. So then they, they come up with this, uh, this stuff about, well, we're going to do it virally and we're going to honor the people who passed from COVID. Why don't you honor the people who passed from heart attacks? Or even better yet, in addition to the people who've died from COVID, why don't you honor the people who've died as a result of the Fauci shutdowns? Or who've died in our nursing homes and our senior citizen facilities as a result of the Cuomo decisions and the Murphy decisions and the Whitmer decisions and the Pritzker decisions and the Newsom decisions. Why don't you do that, genius? No, they're not going to do that. Because that exposes them for the buffoons that they actually are. I wanted to get to this. Paul Ryan. We haven't heard from Paul Ryan in a while, have we, Mr. Producer? We never hear from Paul Ryan, but we hear from him now. Because he's attacking conservatives. Good old Paul Ryan. This is in uh, businessinsider.com. Is it that a left-wing rag? I think it is, but if it's not, I apologize. If it is, they can screw off. Nonetheless, former House Speaker Paul Ryan, a Republican who represented Wisconsin in Congress from 1999 to 2019, spoke out Sunday against members of his party who were planning to object to congressional certification of the 2020 U.S. presidential election. But a dozen Republican senators said they plan to reject the certification. Some other Republicans, including Governor Larry Hogan of Maryland, Senators Susan Collins and Mitt Romney have spoken out against the lawmakers' plan. Paul Ryan, former speaker, quote, All our basic rights and freedoms flow from a fidelity to the Constitution of the rule of law. It's interesting how he's lecturing us. Why isn't he lecturing the Democrats and the media? And... Uh, He says, the principle is not only fundamentally American, but a central tenet of conservatism. Under our system, voters determine the president, and this self-governance cannot sustain itself if the whims of Congress replace the will of the people. I urge members to consider the precedent that it would set. Well, here's the precedent it would set. We have had a complete breakdown of our system. We are in the middle of a constitutional crisis, and not because of what Josh Hawley is doing, or Ted Cruz, or Jim Jordan and the guys. But in spite of them, we had a direct attack on our electoral system in a number of battleground states, specifically targeted by the Biden campaign, the Democrat Party, and their surrogates on the left. And they succeeded. We had a breakdown of judicial review, where the media seems to think that the failure of the Supreme Court in doing its job is evidence that Donald Trump or others should not be bringing cases. Because that's the way the media are. They're perverse and they're corrupt. But the Supreme Court failed to do its job. It failed to uphold the election provision of the federal constitution. It failed to protect the state legislatures from rogue governors, rogue secretaries of state, rogue mayors, rogue boards of election, and rogue state and federal courts in some cases. Failed miserably. Thanks to John Roberts and some others. 
So what would Paul Ryan have us do? Nothing. Paul Ryan would have us watch as the republic collapses. He attacked the Tea Party. He despised Trump and his movement. He was absolutely silent when the Democrats were usurping the electoral process in 2016 and throughout the Trump presidency. He didn't say a word. Nothing. Nothing about absolutely unimaginable lawlessness by the FBI and the intelligence agencies. Nothing about the outrageous, specious impeachment of our president. Nothing about the attempt to criminalize the election with a special counsel. Paul Ryan didn't say a damn thing. But now he's worried about protecting the republic. Because republicans dare to raise their voices about what took place before, during, and after election day. Where's the evidence, they say? I gave you the evidence of what these states did to eviscerate the key provision of the United States Constitution and what Paul Ryan's telling you and Ben Sass and Adam Kingsinger and all the rest of them are telling you is that Congress has an absolute affirmative obligation to consent to the unconstitutional conduct that took place in these states. Their reading of the United States Constitution is so perverse and irrational that they would have you believe that these geniuses, these geniuses would tell Congress, yes, yes, count the electors from states that violated the Constitution because you have no power to do anything else. Which means that they are contributing to the violations of the Constitution by the states. And yet they took an oath to faithfully execute our laws and to uphold the Constitution. And so they are now going to contribute to its demise. And then they go into the what-ifs. Congress doesn't have the power to do this. Who says? Well, according to precedent, I had a discussion with one of the senators, I don't call them, who called me, one of the smart ones. I said, where does the Constitution say that? It says, shall count. But it doesn't say shall count unconstitutional electors. The presumption is that they follow the Constitution. I'll give you a perfect example. Want one? Let's pick one of the liberal states. What if the state of New York passed a law and said electors cannot be black? What if they passed a law I'm just giving you an example. It's what law school is about. And says electors cannot be black. Or electors cannot be Republican. And those electors are certified through a one-party state. The numbers are sent to the archivist of the United States who holds on to them and then Come January 6th, they send them to Congress. You have to count them, says Tom McClintock. We can't do anything else. Well, they violated the 1965 Civil Rights Act. You can't do it. Doesn't matter. You have to count them. It says shall count, shall count. I would say to my friend Brett Barry, just listening to him, right? 
says shall count. You have to count them. Well, well, but you have a statute that says you can't do that. Oh, really? Well, we have a constitution that says that what took place in these four states cannot take place in these four states. That the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania, that the Secretary of State of Wisconsin, that the Secretary of State of Michigan, that the Secretary of State of Georgia, among others, they don't have the power to influence the choosing of electors in defiance of state law passed by the legislature. You have to use rationality when you're reading the Constitution. You read the text and you apply what? What's an originalist? You apply the meaning and the intention at the time it was written. So clearly the meaning and the intention at the time that provision is written and the time the 12th Amendment is written and adopted and ratified is that there's going to be a lawful election the consequences of which the electors will be counted by the Congress. Why do these stupid arguments come out of the mouth of phony journalists, pseudo-conservatives among others, and I'll tell you why. Some of them are scared to death of enforcing the United States Constitution. When push comes to shove, they're threatened by the mob. It's much easier to trash me. It's much easier to trash Josh Hawley. It's much easier to trash Ted Cruz or anybody who has the guts to stand up and say, wait a minute, mob. Wait a minute, mob. That's not the way this system is supposed to work. Then we get the pseudo-constitutionalists. The Constitution, it says, shall count, shall count, shall count, shall count unconstitutional votes. Well, what kind of precedent will this serve? That means Congress can interfere all the time, anytime. They'll have de novo review, broad review. That's not what's being said. You can have any damn kind of election you want. If the state legislature says that's the way it's supposed to work, pretty much, not all exclusively, but pretty much, But that's not what happened in these states. The opposite happened in these states. I'll be right back. So here's Biden. $2,000 checks coming if the Democrats win Georgia. Now, they're worried about this tape, this illegally taped and released phone call with the President of the United States, and the Secretary of State says he had nothing to do with it. He's a liar, obviously. He had something to do with it. But bribing voters in Georgia is okay. You know, you elect these two Democrats to the Senate, I guarantee you, and I'll be President, we'll get you that $2,000. Two thousand dollars. How about twenty five hundred? Twenty five hundred. Anybody want three thousand? Three thousand. How about thirty two hundred? Thirty two. Thirty five hundred. Thirty five hundred. Anybody want thirty five hundred? That's what he's about. Almost four hundred million dollars in dark money came into his campaign. How many stories have you seen on that? Dark money means the source is not revealed. It's not transparent. Did any of it come from China? 
Nobody cares. I'm the only one who gives a crap about that. It's amazing. You're not allowed to ask questions. No, Trump, 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 Trump. Unbelievable. They're already talking about Kamala Harris taking over for Biden. We have been scammed like we've never been scammed before. We don't need to read rags like the Wall Street Journal. We don't need to hear phonies like Ben Sass and Adam Kinzinger. We know what the hell's going on in this country. We know what the Democrat Party wants to do to us. We know that the Republican Party without Trump is impotent and hates us. They want our votes. They don't want our input. But I'll tell you what, there is is a great institution out there. It's called Hillsdale College. Now, I know you love freedom because you listen to this show. My show, Everything I Do, is all about preserving freedom and a government that secures it for us. It's the same with Hillsdale College. I talk about them all the time because Hillsdale is committed to pursuing truth and defending liberty. Hillsdale teaches students to defend freedom, no matter their major. Hillsdale teaches them how to defend liberty. Now, they do that for you, too, through their free monthly digest of constitutional thought, called Imprimus. 5.6 million Americans receive Imprimus for free every month. And you should be reading it, too. You can subscribe for free at levinforhillsdale.com, L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. No strings attached. Generous donors who want to preserve freedom for future generations make it possible for Hillsdale to send a primus to you for no cost every month. Start receiving and reading in primus so you can know how to defend the freedom you love. Visit levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Levin for Hillsdale.com. In our next hour, you're not going to want to miss it. We have the great senator from Texas. No, not Cornyn, for God's sakes. Ted Cruz. We're going to take some of your calls and, of course, me. We'll be right back. From the Westwood One Podcast Network. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number, 877-381-3811, Anthony Fauci is one of the most political public figures in the science field in our bureaucracy. And he should have been retired a long time ago. Anthony Fauci, meet the press. Cut 12, go. Are we looking at a 
campaign when President elect Biden becomes president, are we going to need to do another 15 to 30 days, stop the spread, maybe do a, a partial lockdown uh, between the, the that um, issue and obviously what's happening now? And it looks like hospitals, they were overwhelmed in November, Dr. Fauci. What's going to happen at the end of January? All right, let's stop a second. So understand when there's a lockdown that Fauci and Todd are utterly unaffected. They continue to work. They continue to get paid. They continue to roam the streets. So this is something that will not affect him. We have a new thing going on in this country. We have scientific fascists who give just enough information to the uh, to the media and the political fascists to do severe damage to the country. Now, I'm not saying Fauci's a fascist. I'm saying it's a mindset. It's a mindset. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I hope we don't have to do the lockdown because of the... Of, we all know, Chuck, how much COVID-19 fatigue there is of, of people just really being worn down. No, no, you don't, because you've never been worn down, and neither has Todd, and none of you have had any economic impact affecting you or your families. This guy's an infectious disease guy. That's all he is. That's his lane. Who can play sports? Who can attend funerals? Who can get married? What businesses are to be open? Or none of his damn business. But the media know they have in him a foil will advance their cause. And what is their cause? Their cause is a fascistic mindset. That's their cause. When's the last time any of these people ever talked about individual liberty? Never. Private property rights with a business, never. And yet that's what this nation was founded on. Read the Declaration of Independence. Go ahead. But we certainly need to enhance and make more uniform our public health. All right, I'll say it. Shut up, you idiot, you quack. I'm sick and tired of you. I'm sick and tired of you going on and on like you're Confucius, like you're some kind of wise man. You're nothing. What did he say? Media matters. Media, you better get to work. That's right, I said it. I'm sick of this jerk. He thinks... He thinks that Cuomo did a good job. Any so-called scientist or medical professional who thinks Cuomo did a good job should turn in his damn license. I've got more here from him. I don't, I don't even want to hear from him anymore. But I'd rather hear from me. You know what I mean, Mr. Producer? Did you watch Life, Liberty, and Levin last night? I hope so. The opening monologue. I came in and I did that fresh and we had a wonderful program with some of my my best shows and I hope you watched the night before about Walter Williams but anyway from last night cut 14 go our declaration of independence and constitution are being destroyed by the democrat party and the media and they want to destroy what's left of it we know this because the democrats have announced their intentions If the two neo-Marxist Democrats running in Georgia are elected to the Senate, it'll be 50-50. And then the neo-Marxist, they hope, purported Vice President of the United States, Kamala Harris, is not there yet, but they hope 
she'll be the 51st vote for the Democrats. So by the slimmest of margins, they're going to destroy our judiciary. They're going to destroy separation of powers. They're going to destroy the United States Senate by packing the United States Senate. We're going to have a rogue legislature that will pass whatever it wants, anytime it wants, and fundamentally alter every aspect of this society. And then finally, they want to destroy the Electoral College so Republicans can never win, and Republican areas of this country have lost, in effect, their franchise and their representation. That's how serious this is. We're standing at the precipice, and we're looking into the abyss, because this is the target. This is the target. The Democrat Party never much liked the founding of this country. It never much liked the Declaration of Independence and certainly not the Constitution. Early on in our history it sought to destroy the Constitution. That's what the Confederacy was all about. Slavery, nullification, segregation, and they carried that through well into the 1900s. And now it's the party of the neo-Marxist. They have never liked Americanism, They've never liked the founding. They've never liked the limits placed on them by the United States Constitution. If we don't win at least one seat, but both seats in the state of Georgia, which is supposed to be a Republican state, this country will be changed forever. If we don't fight on January 6th on the floor of the Senate and the House, that is the joint meeting of Congress, on these electors, we're done. And I want to explain this very, very clearly. We have Republican members of Congress who are going on CNN and MSNBC and anywhere else they can be heard saying this is an attack at the heart of democracy. Ben Sass, Adam Kinzinger, others who should know better, Cornyn, Thune, McConnell, and there's more. And of course the media promote them. The media say, look at this, look at this. They're trying to reverse the course of the election. They're trying to take the franchise away from the people. Let me be abundantly clear about this. I wrote a piece about this the other day. You may want to check it out. On January 6th, we learned whether our Constitution will hold and whether the Republicans care. Let me be clear. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 2 of the United States Constitution. All right, I won't repeat it. We've done that before. But people who are now going to vote to just allow these electors go through are people who are well aware that our Constitution has been violated, but they've come up with one excuse after another to do it anyway, and we will keep an eye out. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. 
want to welcome Senator Ted Cruz. How, how are you, sir? Mark, good evening. I'm doing well. How about yourself? Doing great. I want, I want to ask you a couple of questions here. Sure. First of all, you're a constitutionalist. You have this Texas case that's brought. It's brought to the Supreme Court. And there's a provision in our Constitution uh, that says that, you know, when a state is suing a state, the Supreme Court, quote, shall, unquote, have original jurisdiction. Isn't that correct? Uh, You are correct. And so shall was read out of the Constitution there. Now we have um, a provision in our Constitution. Well, the word shall shows up against that, that, that the Congress shall count the electoral votes. And now it's like the Holy Grail. That is, Congress is supposed to go through a ministerial task and count, and count electors, even if members of Congress know full well that in some states the elections were unconstitutional because Article 2, where the Republican legislatures were, were intentionally was intentionally circumvented by a state Supreme Court or a state Secretary of State and so forth. It's funny how these words change, isn't it? Well, there, there are lots of people playing games. And this is obviously a politically divided moment. And, and you're seeing a lot of Democrats, a lot of folks in the media are screaming, uh, how dare anyone want to examine claims of voter fraud, that, that, that if you want to do so, you somehow want to destroy the pillars of democracy. And, and, and that is a view that is neither consistent with the Constitution, uh, nor is it consistent with history. And, and, and in fact, I think Congress has an obligation to act to defend the integrity of our elections. Uh, as you know, the Constitution and the 12th Amendment in particular gives the responsibility of counting the votes to the Congress, to both sessions, both houses in joint session presided over by the vice president of the United States. And, and that responsibility, the framers of the Constitution knew what they were doing when they gave responsibilities to an elected branch like the Congress. They don't give ministerial responsibilities. They could have just given it to a local clerk in D.C. if it simply involved handing a piece of paper over. It doesn't. It involves judgments about what votes are legal or permissible or consistent with the law and what votes are not. And it's always involved judgments. And by the way, the Democrats know this because four times in recent years, they have objected to the counting of electors. They did it in 1969. They did it in 2001. They did it in 2005. They did it in 2016. So the Democrats know full well that is the case. And none of those instances, when it was Democrats objecting, did the press light their fair hair on fire and run around saying it's a coup, it's a coup, democracy is dying? It, it is all absurd. It is all driven by the fact that the press and the Democrats hate Donald Trump. My view is Congress should fulfill our responsibility under the Constitution to consider serious claims of voter fraud. And that's why I assembled a coalition of 11 senators that we are going to vote to object to the electors. Not to set aside the election, I don't think that would actually be the right thing to do, but rather uh, to press for the appointment of an electoral commission that can hear the claims of voter fraud, hear the evidence, and make a determination as to what the facts are and and, and the extent to which the law was complied with. I want to get back to shall count. You would assume that those who wrote the 12th Amendment, 12th Amendment, those who wrote the Constitution generally, that they would assume that the electors come to them, the electors' votes come to them based on a constitutional lawful process, correct? 
Yes and no. Um, that's certainly how it's supposed to operate. But but they were also the, – the, the framers were wise as to the way of politics. They were let me, wise let me, let me restate this that because let, – let me, let me restate this. What I'm trying to say is this. I heard one of our friends on radio today say, you shall count. You have no option. It says shall. And I'm thinking, now wait a minute. You're telling me that, that the men who wrote this language said, even if something comes to you and you know it's unconstitutionally generated, you have to vote for it? Don't you take an oath of office, too, that says, I'll uphold the Constitution of the United States? How can you vote for that if you know, if you know that that elector came to you unconstitutionally? Go ahead. Well, the, the framers knew there would be disputes. This was easy to anticipate. And so they assigned the responsibility to an elected body that had democratic legitimacy. That's not why it's not some federal district judge in the District of Columbia who, who receives the votes. It's why it's not the ar- archivists of the United States who counts the votes. It is the elected Congress, because they knew that these issues would be disputed. In 1800, there was a closely contested, disputed election. And, and in, in trying to determine the right approach to take here... Mark, this is something that that, that I took very seriously. You and I both revere the Constitution. It matters deeply that we follow it and act consistent with the rule of law. And I I have to admit, as we were heading into Wednesday with objections, I I viewed it as two choices that were being presented to senators, both of which were lousy choices. One choice was vote against the objections to electors. And the reason that's a lousy choice is that would be seen by a great many people understood as saying – you don't believe voter fraud is, is significant. You don't believe it occurs. And, th- and that's simply not reality, and it's not where a great many members of the Senate are in terms of their beliefs. But, but the other side, uh, I think all of us are rightly concerned that, that you don't want to set aside the results of an election just because the candidate you happened to back didn't prevail. That's, that's not a good standard or precedent either. And, and so what I did is I tried to study, well, what has happened in the last – 230 years of our nation's history. And I think the most compelling precedent is the presidential election of 1876. That was an election between Rutherford B. Hayes and Samuel Tilden. It's a very close election. And there were three states in that election, Florida, Louisiana, and South Carolina, where there were very serious allegations of voter fraud. Now, what did Congress do in 1877? It didn't throw its hands up in the air and say, we can't decide anything. We, we, we have no, no ability. Our hands are tied. No. Congress did something very different. It appointed what it called an electoral commission. That consisted of five members of the House, five members of the Senate, and five Supreme Court justices. And that commission was charged with hearing the evidence and making a determination about the disputed ballot. That's what happened in 1877. And what I did on looking to that precedent, I think that's the most apt precedent, is I reached out to a number of my colleagues and assembled a coalition of 11 senators. I convinced 10 other senators to join me in saying we should follow the precedent of 1877. We should object to the electors and use that to press for appointing an electoral commission so these claims can be reviewed by a a forum that has credibility, that is impartial, and that can assess them on the merits. I think that is a very reasonable position, and it is one that derives from the Constitution, from federal statute, and from centuries of precedent. And yet, as I watch this, you have a large number of Republican senators who just wash their hands of this, and some of them are attacking. Um, And some of them 
are said to be conservatives. How do you, how do you explain this? Well, I think there are a variety of views. I do think there are some, some conservatives who, in, in good conscience, believe that, that, that Congress's discretion is limited. And I've had some conversations with, with senators and House members who I respect. What kind of dog is that? That, view. Uh, that is a little white furball, a mutt named Snowflake. Oh, that's uh, great. Who is running and barking at the door right now. And he's I'm sorry. I'm a dog lover. Joy. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> um. You know, I, I think there are, there are conservatives in, in, in both houses who genuinely believe that, and, 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 I, and I don't fault them for coming to that determination. Uh, I think there are also some Republicans in, in both houses uh, who are not conservatives, but who are piously and self-righteously preening, who, who are moralizing that anyone who believes that when the framers gave to Congress the authority – uh, to, to, to supervise the counting of the votes, that they meant for the Congress to actually use that authority to vindicate the Constitution, that we see some, some Republicans, all of the media and all of the Democrats, but sadly some Republicans who are huffing and puffing and suggesting, how dare you have that interpretation? And, and to be honest, Mark, what I'm urging people on all sides to do is just calm down, count to ten. We have a responsibility to I do I only count to five, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> when our country is so divided, when there is so much acrimony, I, I actually think elected officials have a responsibility to be calm and sober and to follow the law. And that's what I'm trying to do, and it's what I'm urging all of my colleagues to do. Uh, the Democrats are all going to vote against all of this. Yep. Do you think you'll get more than 10 to support you? I'm just curious. So I'm confident we'll get 12. There are, there are a total of 11 who are with me, and then Josh Hawley also said he would object. So we will get those 12. I think we'll get more than that. Um, mm. I, I, I don't think right now it would take something truly extraordinary to get a majority in both houses, which, we, which is what we need. And, and one of the things that's important for your listeners to understand Twenty seconds. There are a lot of good people across the country who have been led to believe if only one House member and one senator objects, then suddenly the election results are set aside. You and I both know that's not the case. No, that's that's right. the only way to do that is if you have a majority in the House and a majority in the Senate. Ted Cruz, thank you, my friend, and thank you for uh, taking up this battle as well. Take care of yourself. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S.
Mark Luffin, an unapologetic patriot and unapologetic constitutionalist. You can reach him at 877-381-3811. Before we go to some calls, I, I, I don't, sometimes I wonder, do we really have to urge our fellow citizens to help us save this country? I want all of you Levinites in Georgia to just, just listen to me a second. The vast majority of you have voted or are voting. I know this. But some of you are not for one peculiar reason or another. The rest of us who don't live in Georgia, we don't get to vote on the future of our country based on these two seats in the United States Senate. We don't get to vote. You have to vote for us. You have to vote for our children, our grandchildren, and generations to come. You have to decide. God forbid if Biden's president and Pelosi, who won the speakership by, like, what, three votes? If Chuck Schumer is going to run the United States Senate, even though it'll be a 50-50 split, Kamala Harris will be the, the vote break there. So if they get what they want, it's an if. They'll control the House of Representatives by about 10 votes. They'll control the Senate by a vice president who's president of the Senate, a tiebreaker. And they intend to change the country as a result of this. They have no mandate. And yes, they stole the election. This should make you angry in Georgia. Not passive, not reticent. This should make you angry. And you should get on the phone and say, not only am I going to vote, damn it, I'm going to make sure 10 people I know are going to vote. We're going to overcome this fraud in this state. We're going to overcome these idiots who run our state. And we're going to teach the media and the left a lesson. That I, a proud citizen of Georgia, will never accept representation by an anti-Semite, anti-American, race-baiting Raphael Warnock. Or by an anti-American, neo-Marxist, Chinese-appeasing Asaph. Can you imagine the great state of Georgia sending these two reprobates to represent them, and they vote on national issues to destroy this country? And Joe Biden was there today, urging his fellow Democrats to vote for an anti-Semite and a neo-Marxist. No stories in the papers about that. No, 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 no. No stories about that. No stories about Hunter Biden. No stories about any of it. Because our media is poison. Poison. So don't be dispirited in Georgia. Now's the time to stand up. The Revolutionary War went on for eight and a half years. World War II went on for four and a half years. We're not asking you to take up arms. We're not asking you to go to war. We're asking you to vote. And if everybody who can hear me votes, we win. No matter what they try to do. We win. I would vote for an orange juice can over either of those two Democrats. I would, Mr. Producer. 
And that's the way it is. In other words, tomorrow's the day. And I can only urge you so many times in so many ways. So we'll see what happens. And hopefully, hopefully you'll save what's left of the republic. And that we can push back and fight back. Let's go to Ravi in California on the Mark Levin app. Ravi, how are you? Good. How are you, Mark? All right. Thank you so much for taking my call. Thank you. Um, and I want to thank you very much also for putting so much focus on the absolute necessity to vote uh, in the Georgia runoff elections tomorrow. Um, I read an article about this in the American Thinker, but just in a nutshell, you covered pretty much all the bases, uh, except that, um, I mean, you covered all the bases. Um, it's very important that 6%, according, according to a survey USA poll, shows 6% of conservatives plan on not voting in Georgia uh, versus, like, 2% of liberals. And um, the most recent poll from, like, Fox News uh, shows an, a complete tie between uh, in both Senate races. So uh, that means that uh, if, if even a, a small percentage of conservatives... Just have to assume home, we're behind. Yeah. Always assume we're behind and get out there and beat their, you know, beat them. Go ahead. Yeah, exactly. And uh, we need all conservatives, like you were saying... To go out and vote, and, and you you listed the reasons because uh, you know if Democrats take over this country, as Reagan warned in 1964 and, and in 19, 1967, uh, if we lose uh, this constitutional republic to like to socialism, you know it'll be very hard to get to get it back. If, if no, we won't get it back at all. We won't get it back. It'll be gone. And that's why people should not focus on how conservative these two candidates are. There, I don't think you know, they are. I don't think they are. I think people are upset that last time their vote didn't count. And so the same system's in place. And what I'm saying is get out there and vote. Let the chips fall where they may, but we've got to fight them. All right, my friend. I appreciate your call. All right. Let me see here. I'm looking up my call screen. Mr. Producer, who do we have there? Kate in Georgia XM Satellite. Go. Yes, sir. I want to let everybody know that we Georgians and Mark, I'm overjoyed to speak with you, sir. You're a great patriot, a great American. I thank you so much for your intellect and your insight. But uh, I want to let everyone know out there in the United States that Georgians realize what's at stake tomorrow. I personally have already voted. I voted red. I am happy to represent and stand with all of my fellow American brothers and sisters in this ridiculousness called socialism and radical left. And let me tell you something, my friend. God forbid if we lose, these so-called phony conservative media outlets are prepared to blame Donald Trump. And if we win, they will never thank Donald Trump. This is the way it works for Donald Trump, isn't it? Well, we shouldn't be in this position overall. Uh, Purdue, I don't feel, should be going into a runoff. Yes, this election was stolen. I think come 2022, Raffelsberger and Kemp are going to be stealing that. Uh, there's a lot of very angry people here, and they know what they have to do. They have to get out and vote. Uh, and on, you know, on Facebook, all the different other social media outlets, pe- people of Georgia know exactly what's at stake. I don't believe the polls, but at the same time, I don't want to deter anyone from going out and do your, your civic duty and, and uphold. Well, the what- polls show it's neck and neck, and I suspect it is. Um, it could be, um, but they haven't, ch- again, they haven't changed anything. 
from November 3rd. There's been, you know, no changes in how they're conducting themselves. And thank goodness there's 1,800 poll watchers, you know, that, that decided to sign up for tomorrow. And, you know, we just, mm-hmm. we all have to have They better bring telescopes with them. You never know what these courts are going to do. All right, my friend. I appreciate you. I appreciate your call very, very much. Let's see here. How about Craig in Pennsylvania, Mark Levinap. Go. Yeah, hey, uh, thanks for taking my call there, Mark. Um, you got it. I didn't catch the beginning of your interview with uh, Senator Cruz there, um, and maybe you guys discussed this, but um, I was curious couldn't they use the one congressman, one senator deal uh, to spark so much debate that they could they could give evidence during that debate? No, period? debate is limited. Uh, As a matter of statute, it's limited. So debate that, is limited under the under the eighteen eighty seven statute. Hello. I was just thinking if they would if they would have debate, um, they could get enough. At least some evidence to maybe possibly... I think that's what they're planning on doing. Some of them are planning on getting evidence out. Uh, but as I say, there is, there is a limitation. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. We'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives Georgia, care about. On our mind, More than baby. talk, AMAC fights. A full-time on, presence in Washington, AMAC pushes anyway. back against reckless Does spending, disasters like down Medicare there? for All, and the expanding reach fight over of the federal Georgia? government. And beyond advocacy, Good joining Lord, AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special me member-only me rates me on car insurance, David, travel discounts, Reno, Nevada. cell phone plans, How are you, and David? a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you, you'll get AMAC's Good. bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at AMAC.us. That's A-M-A-C.us. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organizations have been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C.us. Whatsoever. The first election in American history where there's never been any fraud, even though Democrat-controlled state after Democrat-controlled state got rid of the, uh, the protections of the voting system. Even though we had a zillion mail-in votes, there's been no evidence of any fraud. Now, I know that because I hear the media repeating it, 
So that's got to be true. Well, then I guess I have a second question for you. How come we're not prosecuting these folks that sign these affidavits under perjury? Good point, isn't it? It's a great uh, point. I I, I felt it was worth sharing. It's a great point. And uh, look, we live in two different worlds around here. One, the media world, and it is a very sick, dark, and, uh, and deceitful world. And one is our own world. And, um, and their world has, uh, has the upper hand right now. All right, my friend, thank you for your call. Lou, Ocala, Florida, the great W-S-K-Y, go! Hey, Mark, Happy New Year from your favorite state. Thank Florida. you. Hey, listen, thank you. Um, real quick, I know, you're, I know you're running up on the hour. Um, I just want you to know that I think that in Georgia, they need to hold an immediate forensic analysis of these machines. You must be a kook. You see, the Democrats used to raise this all the time up until October. The media raised it all the time, including the pubic broadcasting system, the nauseous broadcasting system, a.k.a. NBC, the Canadian broadcast networks, other networks raised it. Democrats in Congress wrote letters raising it, and now you're not allowed to raise it. So you must be a kook. Yeah, well, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You know that guy that sent his team of hackers into Georgia? And they're Mm -hmm. in those machines live now. And they are connected to the Internet. They can be manipulated by the Internet, and they can be manipulated on the No, 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 no. That was before October. But Biden won. Biden won. None of that matters anymore. Yeah, well, it better matter for these two runoff seats. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. And people say, like the Wall Street Journal gives it the back of the hand. Look, look what you're doing. Look what you're doing to democracy. Look, shut the hell up. Look what you fools are doing. It's, it's All right, my friend. Thank you. The we, the people who make this country work, not allowed to speak out, not allowed to question what's obvious. Got five morons, nerds. We're the editorial board of the uh, of the Wall Street Journal over here. Uh. All right. Let's go to Jerry Passaic, New Jersey, the great WABC. Jerry, go right ahead. You know, it's a shame that we couldn't knock out a lot of these Bush and, Bush and uh, McConnell Republicans, that we couldn't beat them with more conservative ones because, like, all— Trump saved the party, and yet you have these people like Sachs and Romney and a cast of other characters basically pulling all this nonsense. If it wasn't for him... If it wasn't for Trump, we wouldn't even be close in the Senate or the House right now, let's be honest. And furthermore, McConnell was hurting. And it was Trump who twice went down there and campaigned for McConnell. McConnell wins by like 18 or 20 points. And McConnell thinks it was him, that it was his great charisma and beautiful uh, 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 silhouette. Hey, I'm voting for him. All right, thank you for your call. All these people think they won because they're so great. No, that's not why they won. And again, as I said at the beginning of this program three hours ago, they needed the Tea Party to deliver them like 66 votes in the House, several votes in the Senate, and what did they do? Trash the Tea Party. Wall Street Journal. Trash the Tea Party. Boehner. Trash the Tea Party. Paul Ryan. Trash the Tea Party. McConnell's been around. 
Forever. Trash the Tea Party. They got what they wanted. King comes out of the Tea Party. Within 12 months, turns on the Tea Party. Same thing with Trump. Trump sweeps people into election in 2016. He just swamped a whole bunch of them into, uh, into office this time. Okay, great. Let's move on. We need another Bush. Is there another Bush around here? Uh, Romney have kids? Oh, he's got five boys. Let's run one of them. Reminds me of Bush, what was it, 41, after Ronald Reagan's two massive landslides. And then he wins, what is Reagan's third turn? Kinder, gentler. Kinder, gentler. We salute our armed forces, police officers, firefighters, and emergency personnel. Georgia, let's do it, baby. And I'll see you all tomorrow. God bless. From the Westwood One Podcast Network.